0: Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 37, Silent Nonviolence. Thanks for being here for another awareness offering. I'm sending you comfort, peace, whatever you might need energetically as you listen to this. I'm recording it on the week of March 31st, 2022. But whenever you're listening to this, uh, I offer you what I can from my heart here. And... If you'd like to support these offerings from my heart, this podcast, the best ways you can do so are by subscribing, rating, and or leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen, which helps other people find the show. And you can also help other people find the show by sharing if you'd like to either by word of mouth or social media. And I'm really grateful for all of those efforts. And as always, incredibly grateful just to have the space to uh, sit with you in this way. So let's sit and get into the heart of what we're doing on this podcast. We'll begin with our opening ritual of singing the sound of OM one time. Om means consciousness. It is said to be the fundamental vibration of consciousness, according to yoga philosophy. And it's a neutralizing sound, according to a few of my teachers, which means that it can take anything we're feeling that feels charged, whether that's negative, positive, whatever charge it might be, and help to set a neutral, open space. So that's what we're doing here. And you can do that by singing Om out loud or just by listening. If you're coming along, you might get your body into any comfortable position. If it's safe and comfortable for you to do so right now, you could choose to close your eyes or just soften your gaze by looking down the tip of your nose or toward the floor. Just making the, just putting a little more emphasis on the internal than the external for this moment. Then you might take a breath in through your nose if nostril breath is available to you and exhale through your nose just clear some space for yourself and then we'll take an inhale for one sound of ohm Thank you for joining me in that practice. And now for this week's discussion. I'll start by acknowledging the inherent irony or contradiction in the fact that I have themed this week's podcast around silent nonviolence, and yet I'm going to speak and talk about it. I know there's some contradiction there. Um, but essentially what I'm speaking about is a, a tenet of yoga philosophy. In yoga, in classical yoga as it is laid out in texts, sacred texts, like the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, um, there are these different um, guidelines for how to live a life that is aligned with the principles of yoga. And some of those guidelines are called the Yamas and the niyamas, the yamas and the niyamas, which are essentially the do's and don'ts if you want to try to live a life uh, that is aligned with the principles of yoga. And whenever my spiritual teacher, Swami Jayadevi, based here in Atlanta, is teaching about the yamas and niyamas, which she does pretty frequently, she always emphasizes that we should take this up, this idea of do's and don'ts uh, with self-compassion and non-attachment, meaning we're not trying to, you know, Um, be really strict or harsh with ourselves. There doesn't have to be judgment or shame. Uh, They're just principles that we can look to if we are trying to align ourselves with the principles of yoga. So there are these yamas and niyamas. uh, And one of them, one of the um, don'ts in the principles of yoga is ahimsa ahimsa, which translates as non-violence or non-harming. Um, and so on a really straightforward level, it's not physically hurting another person. And then there are more subtle layers to it, like um, not being violent with our words, not um, you know, being violent to ourselves through how we care for ourselves, different um, layers of, of non-violence. But ahimsa, non-violence, this yogic principle is essentially what I'm speaking about today. And I'm speaking to you in a time where we are culturally, we're sitting with the idea of violence and nonviolence, or at least that's how the cultural conversation has unfolded in the last week Um in, in this week that I'm recording this podcast, because the Sunday night of this week, March 31st, 2022, the Sunday of this week was the Oscars. Um, and there was an incident in which, uh, Chris Rock comedian made a joke at the expense of Will Smith's wife and Will Smith, uh, went on to, got up on stage and, and slapped Chris Rock in the face. And I'm noticing myself saying Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. Let me not, let me not uh, name her as someone else's wife. She is Jada Pinkett Smith. So I apologize for that. But that's what happened in a very public way, um, and so conversation has unfolded around this event, and it has shaped up to be this conversation around violence and nonviolence. And I am going to use this context for what I'm sharing today, but I want to be clear that I am not here to offer any commentary, any opinion, any, um, suggestion of right or wrong as to what actually happened. And the reason that is, is because most of the, this is an incident that occurred between three black people, Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith, and Chris Rock. And Black people that I look to, especially on social media, you know, creators, educators, public figures, activists, and and black women especially have said, this is not a conversation to be had among white people, non-black people, but especially white people. Um, this is, this unfolded within the context of the black experience, which unfolds within the context of white supremacy, because white supremacy is a pervasive, um, um, what, what to even call it. Um, it is it is pervasive in that it pervades every system in our world because our our world and society, especially here in the States, were built on structures that prioritized white supremacy so the black experience unfolds in the context of white supremacy and these things don't happen in isolation and so most black folks have said that I have heard, and and I want to be really clear, I do not speak for black folks Um, black folks are not a monolith but the people I look to have stated very clearly this is not a conversation for white folks, that our opinions, our commentary are not welcome or needed or appropriate in this situation that is very layered um, and involves very much, very many nuances and different um, factors, but essentially is um, unfolding within the context of the black experience. And we as white folks, first of all, we don't have the context to understand the black experience and As a group, we are part of a system that has continuously and historically, so in the past and continuously to this day, enacted violence upon um, black bodies. And so when it comes to an act that we perceive as violence that unfolded between three black folks... White folks speaking about violence um, and making moral judgment around violence is not appropriate because we as a group and as a system, as part of a system, have been and still continue to be perpetrators of violence upon black bodies. And this is what I'm again hearing from black creators that I look to. I've seen it shared on a lot of different social media posts. Um, I can't name every single black creator I've seen speak to this. Some of them have just been, you know, tweets that get reshared to other people's Instagram stories and I see them and take them in in the moment. But I will say the creator that I'm learning the most from and, and listening to, um, The creator that I have um, just been following the most closely in her commentary and processing of this event has been Sonia Renee Taylor, and she's on Instagram. I would highly suggest you follow her if you can do so in a way that is... um, non-harming, right, in a way that doesn't uh, center your own experience if you're a white person like me or demand that your experience be centered. If you're going to follow her to to listen, uh, which we'll talk more about how that plays into this week's episode, I would suggest you follow her. She is Sonia Renee Taylor. Of, um, She created an organization uh, called The Body Is Not An Apology. So she speaks a lot about body politics, fat liberation, uh, and she's a black woman. And so uh, black liberation and just the, the nuances and layers of those intersections of marginalization and experience. And the first thing that she had to say publicly on her Instagram feed about this incident was that white folks needed to take a step back and stay out of this conversation. Um, and for the reasons I, I, um reflected here and again I want to be really clear I am not speaking to these as any kind of original idea this is the work of black creators um, and my understanding of it is that it is both laughable and painful for white folks who as a system and part of a system have continuously been violent to black people um, to talk about violence in the context of this incident and it's not appropriate for us to do so so that is the first thing that she said about this She then went on to talk about some different forms of violence um, and about how commentary on people's bodies, which is what the joke that Chris Rock made entailed. It entailed making commentary on Jada Pinkett Smith's body, that that in itself is a form of violence. Thinking that we have the right to speak about people's bodies, judge people's bodies, that is violence. It is a harm. It is a trauma. It is one of the more subtle layers of ahimsa to think it's not about just physically harming someone but emotionally and spiritually harming someone with the way that I think I have the right to speak about their body and so she said if we're really concerned about violence one way to divest from the cycle of violence is to stop talking about people's bodies and I share all of these things um To really point to the fact that both of these calls to action from this black female creator uh, around this cultural incident that has been much talked about in the last week, both of them involve not talking, not doing, choosing not to say something that we would normally say on the level of, you know, the body. And divesting from, authentically divesting from violence rather than sitting behind our keyboards and talking about nonviolence, the way we can actually tangibly divest is to not talk about people's bodies, to choose to be silent where we might otherwise say something that could be a violence, which, again, she said, speaking and commentating on other people's bodies is a violence, And then, of course, the other piece of it is for folks who are not black, especially folks who are white, to not offer commentary, period. To not speak when we might normally speak. Because to, even if we want to sit at our computer or on our phone and make a post about how violence is not the answer, about how walking up to someone and slapping them, which is, you know in the most straightforward way, can be viewed as an act of violence. If we want to sit there and talk about how violence is not the answer, and we think that by saying that we are promoting nonviolence, we might actually be perpetuating violence, because it is inappropriate for us to moralize and offer moral judgment about violence when it comes to black bodies, when we have historically been the greatest perpetrators of violence against black bodies. And to center our own opinion when this incident centers so much around the black experience is violence. It is taking up space in a way that is harmful. And there's such a paradox in this because in this particular situation, advocating for nonviolence can actually be violent. Using our voices when our voices do not add consciousness to the situation or do not you know reflect the appropriate way of processing the situation can perpetuate violence. And it's such a nuanced thing. This entire incident that we're all processing is so nuanced because it involves race, it involves body politics and um, chronic disease, it involves gender. Uh, There are so many nuanced layers, which makes social media a really difficult place to even have um, a a robust and thorough discussion because social media and just our cultural mindset in the world we're living in does not allow for a lot of nuance, but it's so nuanced. And then I'm really sitting with how nuanced it is that silence can be an act of nonviolence. And that's not always true across all situations, right? If we are actively witnessing injustice, as Dr. King would have said or has said, and we choose to be silent, we are siding with the aggressor. If we choose not to step in, put our bodies on the line and disrupt the injustice and violence in front of us, that silence is absolutely violence. But in situations like this, if we choose to disrupt a conversation that's not about us and that we can and have historically added harm to choosing to speak rather than be silent is violence and silence is non-violence and as I develop the nuance is something that I've had to really come to terms with and, and learn about because There was a version of me a few years ago that was incredibly passionate and fiery. I still am. I'm an Aries. I'm a fire sign. I have a lot of fire and thought that got to speak up at every single instance, got to make my voice heard, got to make sure I'm speaking out against injustice, but nothing in the world is black and white. There is this nuance present everywhere. And this situation has reflected back to me that Speaking out, fighting the good fight per se, is not always the good fight. It's not always the answer. Sometimes silence is nonviolence. Because for those of us who are in a group that has historically perpetuated harm against the people who are involved in this massive cultural incident, we have more to learn. We have things to look at within ourselves, how we continue to perpetuate violence, what actions we can take to to tangibly divest from violence rather than offering a platitude, a tweet, a post that says violence is not the answer when in reality that itself can be violent. Our responsibility is to be quiet and turn toward ourselves and reflect on what our part in perpetuating violence is, especially in terms of Black folks and racial dynamics uh, and how we can actually divest from violence. And again, these are ideas that come primarily from Black creators. I'm speaking to the work of Sonia Renee Taylor and just reflecting on how I am learning uh, in real time that silence is sometimes the best route of nonviolence. And honestly, I learned this and or saw it in action, I should say, in real time, Last night, as uh, someone that I really respect, uh, it's a, there is a podcast that I listen to weekly, um, Conspirituality, I'll name it, uh, with all due respect, Conspirituality, a podcast that studies the intersection of the spiritual community and conspiracy theory, which is something that's incredibly important to me because I'm in the spiritual community and I'm very concerned by conspiracy theory and the rise of conspiracism, which is something I've spoken about on this podcast Um, But one of the hosts posted a hot take on this incident that essentially boiled down to violence is not the answer. And in real time, we got to learn together as a community because each, you know, I, I, I like to believe that each, you know, profile on social media is a small community even though it doesn't look and feel the exact same way as you would think a community traditionally does but the community got to learn in real time this lesson of even when you're advocating for violence the ad or excuse me even when you're advocating for non-violence the advocacy itself can be violent if it's not appropriate for you to be the one doing so sometimes the discernment of knowing whose voices are necessary in the fight for nonviolence is the most nonviolent thing we can do. And moralizing on nonviolence when we have the capacity to be actively violent, um, which historically the system of whiteness absolutely has, uh, is and can be an act of violence. And so this is a reflection on how silence uh, can be nonviolence how ahimsa doesn't always have to be running onto the battlefield sometimes it absolutely is there is nuance to this but sometimes it's silence it's turning inward turning toward ourselves and quietly being willing to learn the lessons that we need to learn so on that note i will invite us to turn toward ourselves and I want to offer uh, some nuance again because um, I say, you know, this is the moment in the Awareness Offerings podcast where we go into some embodied practice. We put these concepts that we're working with in each discussion into experiential practice through meditation and con- contemplation. Um, and I want to be clear that, um, you know, I'm saying, you know, now it's the time to turn toward ourselves, uh, which is sort of the the same idea that I've been speaking about that if we are white or non-black, this is a moment to be silent, and turn toward ourselves. But I want to hold awareness for the fact that it's, it may not only be, you know, non-black folks who are listening to this podcast. And if you are a black person listening to this podcast, I'm not at all suggesting just because I'm inviting us to get silent and turn toward ourselves and meditate that you should also be being silent, right? Um, there, it's a very, um, it's very specific whose voices are adding to this cultural moment. And so I don't want to make the suggestion uh, that the black folks should be silent. I'm just inviting us in general into the silence of meditation. And if you are a white person, like I am, or non black person, um, we have a really particular kind of access point into the silence we can be practicing as nonviolence in this moment. So if you're coming along for meditation and if you're not in a position to sit safely or comfortably right now, and you want to pause the podcast, uh, you may come back for this later, but if you're coming right now, I'll invite you to get your body into a comfortable seated position, which is any seat that allows you to lengthen your spine. Spinal column is the center line of the body. It's where our energy moves and where our nervous system lives. So if it's long and open, there's more space for things to flow and connect and feel open. But you can find that long spine however you need to, whether you're sitting on the ground with your legs crossed in kind of a classical meditation seat, which if you're doing that, I will suggest you sit with your hips on something, whether it's a cushion or a blanket or a pillow, or you're sitting in a chair or on your bed, or with your back against the wall, with your legs outstretched, or your knees bent. It's all good, just finding that long spine, space in the center line for yourself. And as you do that, you might choose to turn toward yourself through the practice of closing your eyes, or you could simply soften your gaze by looking down the tip of your nose. Or at the floor. Quieting the external processes. Or at least setting the intention of doing so. To turn inward. To sit quietly in a posture of learning and awareness. Humility. Humility. Silence is a practice of humility sometimes. Silence and in a broader way, this practice of silence is a place for listening. In that, from that seed of humility, listening to the people who have the lived experience to speak to the cultural moments we witness with context. And so we practice listening here. And one way to do that is by listening to the breath. You might, if it feels good, move into a practice of Ujjayi breath, which is an H sounding breath at the back of your throat, kind of like you're trying to fog up a mirror, but with your mouth closed. So as you exhale, it's like a closed mouth sigh. Same as you inhale, like a closed mouth sigh, but on the in-breath. And that might be your breath here, or you might choose to listen to something else, like a sound you can hear in the room, if the breath is not the most supportive place for you to go. And it's nothing you have to force. Your breath might still be kind of soft and subtle, just with a bit of a purposeful H sound so that you can hear the breath a little more than you might with the natural pattern of your breathing. So that your mind has something to attach to that is more conscious and clear than the constant turning of your thoughts. And you can listen to the breath coming in. And listen to the breath going out, or listen to whatever it is that you're listening to. And perhaps in this particular practice of listening, as you sit quietly and listen as a yogic meditative consciousness practice perhaps you set the intention that you're listening to practice silence as a form of humility and non-violence especially in the face of situations that are nuanced and involve people who are marginalized or have lived experiences different than your own setting the intention to listen as an act of humility and nonviolence. Maybe you even say it to yourself, breathing in, listening as an act of humility and nonviolence. And then breathing out, listening as an act of humility and nonviolence. Maybe one more time just to solidify that intention, inhaling, listening as an act of humility and nonviolence. Listening as an act of humility and nonviolence. And then you go back to listening to your breath. Following the breath like a pathway that takes you deeper inward to a place where you can be quiet and open, not have to be the biggest voice in the room or know the most in the room. The room being any given room or social media platform or cultural situation. Listening and practicing silence to do less harm. I'll invite us to take another breath in here. Release the breath. You might continue that ujjayi breath. It means victory in Sanskrit. I think in my mind it refers to the victory of the breath over the mind. could also be the victory of wisdom over ignorance. Uh, So you can continue that breath or release it as you begin to blink your eyes open. Maybe move around a little bit and come back into the external space, but maybe still noticing what your internal space feels like after having spent some time listening as a practice of humility and with the intention of nonviolence. We can't you know, ever say we're completely nonviolent because no matter what our intentions are, our impact uh, can be different. And so I want to close by, you know, on that note, I want to close by again acknowledging that I am not coming at this podcast episode from a place of, and as an expert, um, I do not have the lived experience to offer any kind of commentary or education by any means on the nuances of the situation I'm speaking about Um, But I I did create this podcast with the intention of offering yoga philosophy and guided meditation for the moments that we're living in. And this is a cultural moment that we're living in, especially here in the United States. This is what's up. This is what's in front of us. And I am using it as an access point uh, for the work of this podcast, but with a lot of, of reverence for the black creators, educators, activists. Um, black women who have used their time, energy, and voices to speak and be clear about what the boundaries are here, um, and you know, may we may we speak when it is nonviolent. Maybe be may we be silent when it is nonviolent, and may we practice to have the discernment to know which is the case. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Lara Tara, L A U R A T A R A, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxelason, O X E L A S U N whom you can also find on Instagram.